Think big. Think positive. Never show any sign of weakness. Always go for the throat. Buy low, sell high. Fear, that's the other guy's problem. Nothing you have ever experienced can prepare you for the unbridled carnage you're about to witness. Right. Super Bowl, the World Series, they don't know what pressure is. In this building, it's either kill or be killed. You make no friends in the pits and you take no prisoners. One minute, you're up half a million in soybeans, and the next, boom. Your kids don't go to college and they've repossessed your Bentley. Are you with me? Hello and welcome to the Stone X Grains and Oil Seeds podcast. I am your host, Craig Turner, and I am also a broker here at Stone X. I specialize in grain and oil seeds uh, here in the Chicago office. Uh, the, the team around me, we have experts in energies, livestock, dairy, interest rates, fertilizer, anything to do with uh, the futures and options markets. And we also have access to the swaps and OTC markets. And a lot of us also act as consultants along with providing research and reports. If you have any questions for me, you can contact me at uh, 312-706-7610 or email craig.turner at stonex.com. If you like the podcast, please go to iTunes. Which, uh, it's the, the new name is grains and oil seeds with Craig Turner. That's basically the old uh, Turner's Take podcast. Give us a positive review on uh, you know iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen and we appreciate it. Um, if you want to sign up for the newsletter that goes along with this podcast, which will have a lot of the supporting data that I talk about on a very high macro um, level, uh, just go to stonex.com backslash Craig Turner. All information will be in the show the show links to, um, and that will get you to the newsletter page. It is free. Now, that's all very high level. We kind of give big picture here on the podcast and in that free weekly newsletter. If you really want actionable advice, um, you want some concrete recommendations or or thoughts on where the markets are going and why, um, or if you want to be part of uh, our consulting uh, service or just the newsletter and trading, um, then you can check out the premium product. And there, again, there's details on that. And that is for clients and paying for subscribers. And that gets a lot more into the nitty gritty. This podcast and the newsletter, much more bigger picture um, and kind of give you an idea of where we think things are things are going on a, on a macro, macro level. So uh, let's dive into it. Um, now that I'm going to talk about the macro markets, we're going to talk about uh, the grain markets, um, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. You know, one thing I do want to say is I've had, uh, I've been one advertising and two getting a lot more response to our consulting or my consulting services recently. I think when the grain markets were very high, uh, it was it was a little bit easier for farmers to market grain, and now they're looking for some help here. Um, and maybe not, you know, maybe it's not trading help. Maybe it's more help with, uh, you know, what to do with old crop, what to do with new crop, whether certain tools available with you, whether you do it here at StoneX or at the Elevator or, you know, some kind of origination program. And that is something that we help with. Um, and that is part of our consulting package, which, you know, I think sometimes in the, sometimes in the brokerage business, um, there's this expectation to always be doing transactions or you don't get attention from your broker if you're not you know, trading. And that is an industry-wide problem. You know, the counterbalance that is having the consultant service where there is no pressure or 
expectation that you have to be trading or a transaction. And while the and the broker is actually kind of helping you as a consultant for the whole farm, whether it be old crop, new crop, where we see prices, what you should be doing, you know, what you should be forward contracting, when you should make cash sales, you know, what, what grain origination programs are good. Like there are good accumulators, there are bad accumulators. Um, fortunately, the bad accumulators uh, generate the most uh, revenue. Um, and while some of the better uh, accumulators don't, and um, you know, there there are things out there that I think uh, we're in a unique position to to help you out with. So uh, again, my contact information is the show notes. Even if you're a, a current client and have only used us for you know futures and options, you may want to inquire about about that. The next couple of years on the farm side is going to be we're transitioning into a low pri- priced environment. Um, what is very nice that now that we're part of StoneX is that you know we do have a lot more clients on the buy side so um what's going to be happening with turner's take um with uh, the grain and oil seed podcast you know there is a premium product for producers and farmers um but there's also going to be one for uh for the buy side too um whether it be you know you're a, a feedlot or um you're working at a, you know, or it's a flour mill, or it may be someone in the food and beverage or manufacturing. Um, and there, there is that too. So it's going to be grain and oil seeds, um, premium for the end user, for the consumer. And then there's going to be the, the premium service for the producer. So feel free to inquire about that. All right, let's jump into macro markets. Here's the deal. Stock market has been trying to test all-time highs. The economy is getting better. Labor, um, labor is still tight. Corporate profits are okay. Um, we're not in a recession. We're not gangbusters on growth. And the Fed keeping interest rates high has helped bring down inflation. It hasn't hit the targets, but it's helped. Instead of having 2% inflation, we're like at three and a half or around there, which isn't so bad. Um, and the Fed eventually will, will drop rates now. Some people were getting ahead of themselves and thought we'd be higher. You know, we thought, I mean, thought we'd be lowering interest rates in the first quarter of 2024. I personally think that's that's a little bit rosy to, to be considered that, but you never know. I mean, we're testing the mini S&P highs right now. Um, and there is this, and like stock market, the futures are forward thinking. So they are expecting this. Um, what is interesting, though, about recent reports is, you know, the la- the labor markets are still tight, and it's not because so much of of economic growth. It's really because there's a shortage of labor as people leave the workforce, as the baby boomers are lo- leaving the workforce, and we don't have enough in qualified workers in the in the generations where it be, you know, Gen X, the millennials, the Gen Z, you know, coming up to take their place. Um, you know, not in great numbers anyway. So it keeps it keeps the labor shortage tight as the baby boomers continue to leave to leave the market. So um, so the low unemployment number is interesting because we are now whether it's Europe, the United States, we're seeing it in China. We don't have this on a global issue. We don't have this population growth like we used to, whereas older experienced workers left the workforce there were younger workers to fill those roles and we're just not seeing that and that is a part of the inflation 
uh, argument or the inflation part that it just doesn't get uh, get enough attention here. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Fed deals with that, um, because you know could the new inflation be three percent a year instead of two percent a year um, because of the because of the labor issue where that structurally moves the the goalposts. I don't know. I mean, I'm not on the Fed, and I'm and I don't work for uh, the Federal Reserve System, so uh, and that's not my you know macro not economics isn't my primary job, nor do I have a PhD in it. But it is very interesting where clearly there's something going on there, um, and it'll be interesting to see how the the Fed wants to tackle that. Uh, on the grain and oil seed side, listen, the WASDE came out on Friday. And the numbers were fairly close to a lot of what everyone was expecting. A couple of main highlights that I think we need to talk about. And also kind of where I want to also just kind of pull the car aside for a second and talk about the next couple of years too. But because there are, we are changing. There are things going to be changing in a big way in the grain and oil seed markets from the past couple of years. But the WASDI, let's just get to the WASDI real quick. On the WASDI, Corn yields went to 177 and change, which I'm almost certain was a record. And that was after having a pretty bad summer, spring and summer, for the most part on heat and lack of moisture. And then you get some timely rains and you end up having a record crop. My question is, is what happens when you have actually really good weather? And, you know, maybe the yields are still the yields. What's interesting about the genetics is, yeah, it's amazing what a crop can take now compared to 10 years ago. Um, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to completely out-yield when we get better conditions, or is the genetics there to make sure that we're always going to be in kind of this tight range of yields? I don't know. We'll have to see. We haven't had a good year of weather in a while to see what these things can really do. But that's one thing that's that's interesting, too. Corn, a lot of corn acres get decided in fall and December, I mean, fall and winter. Anhydrous goes down. I mean, once that goes down in the fall, you're planting corn. Um, and back then, corn was over five bucks um, in in across the board. And here we are. That is not the case anymore. We're uh, we're sub five. You know, front month corn's four forties. This is four seventy five. And when you take a look at the acres, you know, ninety one million acres and a trend line yield of one eighty one. All of a sudden. We're looking at a 2.6 billion carryout. Um, can corn get down to 89 million acres? If it does, we're 89 million acres in a trend line yield. We use as much as we do over <coughs> year over year. So it doesn't really help things that much. What you need to do is you need to get down somehow to 89 million acres and 170 yield. And after the summer we just have, I'm like, what does it take to get to a 170 yield to get back to 10% stock usage? So in my mind, from an economist point of view, the idea is acres really need to come down. Where do they go? I mean, do they go to soybeans? I mean, soybeans at 12, corn at four and a half, maybe. Um, but you know, South America is probably going to have a record soybean production, even with Brazil at 145 million metric tons, which is still a lot of analysts have it between 145 and 155. Even at 145 metric tons of soybeans coming out of Brazil, Argentina's having a record crop. And between all the acres went down there and the rest of South American production, 145 from Brazil still results as a record soybean crop out of South America because the 
because of how many acres were planted in South America as a whole and how well Argentina has done and some of the other surrounding areas make up for Brazil, who was planting record acres anyways, right? Um, so when I start to look at the balance sheets, we've been saying this for a while, corn balance sheet gets solved first. I was on Chip Flory's uh, agri talk this week. One of the things Chip said was, hey, we're at a 2.1 billion carryout. You know, Craig, you're talking about 2.5, 2.6 for next year. You know, corn's still in the mid to high fours, depending on if we're looking at old crop or new crop. Back before 2000, 2020, um, we would have, that would have been corn solidly in the $3. You know, old crop 350, new crop around four, 390. You know, what gives, you know, what what's, what's going on there. Um, and, you know, it's soybeans are tight and that kind of boosts corn a, a little bit. Wheat is definitely tight and will be tight. Um, and uh, next week for Turner's Take, uh, next week for the grain and oil seed um, premium subscribers, I'm going to put out my wheat balance sheets and my soybean balance sheets. And uh, the, the corn ones are going out today. And you're just going to see how much tighter wheat is globally and and also how tight, and but not as much domestically. You're going to see how tight soybeans are domestically, but not on the global export market. And you're going to see how corn is really very fairly well supplied. And when you take into account the tightness in the domestic soybean market combined with the tightness in the export wheat market, plus some structural inflation, you know, 450, you know, mid fours to high fours makes sense for corn. Um, now, soon as that tightness comes out of the U.S. market, which it eventually will, high prices cure high prices, and the wheat one's going to take a while longer. You know, maybe corn, maybe corn lives in a well-supplied market in the low fours to mid fours. The you know, and honestly, it's hard for corn, I think, to live much below four if we're still going to have tightness in the global wheat market. So, anyways, that's I know me on the you know on the podcast here, it's you know. We're you know, back it up. And do you, do you have the data and the you know to show why you have this opinion? Yeah, I do, and uh, and I'll be putting that out. Like I said, um, corn today and the uh, the wheat and soybeans next week to the the premium subscribers to the grain and oil seeds Donex podcast and newsletter. So um, knowing that, you know, knowing that that's where we're going to do, we're going to have to trade. We're going to have to change up our the way we market and. And trade these mar- and trade these markets. So, from the farmer perspective, we're going to be transitioning into a low-priced environment. And the way the farmer is going to have to market these things is, you know, like for corn, you know, there'll be times in the year where if you have grain in storage, it'll make sense to sell covered calls. Um, you're going to be looking for singles and doubles on on the marketing side. You have to use seasonality to your advantage. Um, and uh, there are some interesting accumulators out there, and whether you use that through StoneX and us or another elevator, there are some that are much better suited for uh, the farmer. Um, we're going to have to get more into that um, to kind of add nickels, dimes, and quarters to final sales prices uh, over the next year or so. Now, if we have a drought, we have a drought, and prices go back higher. But uh, that'd be the corn side. There's still, I, I mean, I think just straight up. Beans could be $10 by the end of the year. I think farmers need to know that. Um, if you want to know how to protect yourself on that, let me know or the different options that are available to you. Uh, wheat's going to be tight. Wheat's going to be tight because the Black Sea, while 
things are as good as they're going to get for a while. And there was real structural damage done to the Black Sea export operation. And when the Russia first invaded Ukraine, everyone's like, what does this mean for years uh, to come on, you know, trying to repair the damage that's done over there? That's where we are right now. We're now in the process of, okay, um, this is as good as it's going to get for a while. And there's still, an, you know, and we've got wheat at six in Chicago and Kansas City and seven in spring wheat because this is now the lingering effects of what happened in the Black Sea and what we have to deal with, which actually keeps corn a little bit elevated because of it. Um, on the consumer side, the end user side, and, you know, whether you are feeding, um, you know, hogs or feeders or, you know, your flour mill or, you know, in the, you know, in the commercial chain of the food and beverage industry, wherever it may be, um, you know, when it comes to corn, uh, there's probably, I'll tell you right now, there's probably a lot of corn already bought. The corn is underneath a lot of, a lot of budgets that, that probably have been set out for 2023 and into 2024. I don't see a ton of buying coming on that side. And there's no, there's no pressure for the, you know, for anyone in there to buy. There are definitely times of year seasonally that are good and you never know what's going to happen. But, you know, if you're on the buy side, you're almost more looking at, you know, the buying, you know, there are ways to go about in the, uh, in the call side, you know, because corn options are so cheap, what you're probably going to see is um, the buyers just kind of go, you know, if, they, if 450 is making sense for them uh, on the buy side, they'll probably buy that. And maybe because the options are so cheap, you buy a little price insurance, you know, above $5 just in case something happens. Otherwise, you can probably get away with buying $4 corn, you know, for most of the year. Um, so that's it. So, and that's kind of where we are on the, on the buy side with corn. You know, soybeans are different. You know, if we do have, is the South American issues are real or we don't get the acres that we need in, in, in soybeans here in the United States, you know, we can be tight, but if all the bearish cards come out of the deck, we could be at $10. Uh, that is a very interesting, you know, prospect, um, in that market. And on the wheat side, the problem with wheat for a lot of people who have to buy wheat is on the global export market. The wheat's not there. It's still tight. The global export marketers. And the problem is if there is a tipping point in the global export market where if Russia doesn't have cheap wheat um, and Ukraine is limited because what's going on the Black Sea and then all of a sudden, you know, the, you know, and the majority of the wheat is either coming out of the EU or the United States, that's more expensive wheat. The United States is, and the United States and Europe can get tight fast if there is an uptick in demand or, or production issues. Um, and you could see a substantial rally there. So the way the market structure works on the buy side is if you're a buyer of grain and oil seeds, corn is probably going to be um, for this year, probably fits in best to the budget. Any kind of soybean product would be mid-ranged. And where the real risk is to the, to the buy side at the moment is on the wheat. Um, so again, that's kind of how the, the market is structured. So you, you would expect basis wise it to be stronger in the wheat market, a little bit more neutral in soybeans. Um, and I wouldn't expect a whole lot of strength in the cash market or in the basis with, with corn. So whether you're a buyer or seller, you kind of got to, got to go by that accordingly. Um, 
Going forward, we're going to start doing webinars once a quarter. It's going to be part of, you know, uh, grain marketing in a dynamic price environment. And what it's going to allow us to do is address each, whether it be corn, the soybean complex, or wheat, address each one according to if we think the ending stocks are going to be tight, adequate, or burdensome. Because, I mean, really, that is what's going to dictate the strategies that you need to employ going forward, whether you're on the buy side or the sell side. Um, so uh, my goal here is to explain the markets, let everyone know why, you know, where we think price ranges are and why, not just for old crop and for new crop, what to look out for, what can change that can move those prices up and down and how likely, you know, something can happen, right? For example, take corn. Farmer might say, hey, what does it take for us to get the $6 corn again? Um, well, at a, you know, at a, at a 2.1 billion carryout right now and a 2.5 billion carryout probably projected for next year, to get the $6 corn, what you really need is 89 million acres of corn, which is a five to 6 million acre reduction, right? And then yields in the low 170s or probably in the low 170s, um, and then they get to like $7 or something like the yield's got to go to 165 and the market has to believe that. I mean, it can happen. Iowa has some drought issues right now if you look at the drought monitor, but it's not the most likely scenario, right? It's a possibility, but it's not the most likely scenario. Someone said to me, hey, what does it take to get wheat, you know, up a dollar or two? Um, not a whole lot. Like it could, it, it, when you, when you take a look at, uh, the major production areas and if someone has you know there's less room for error in the global wheat market right now as there is in the corn market right and those are the things we're going to go about like what what only takes a small change to move high pr prices higher or lower you know what takes a massive change in ending stocks to get prices going um and what to look for there so uh, all my information is the show notes um check it out my number is Craig uh, is 312-706-7610 um, and be on the lookout there for those premium products and consulting too. Um, I think we're going into a, we're good for corn, we are definitely in adequate stock land and we're about to go to burdensome stocks. Soybeans are transitioning and it really just takes a record South American crop and then 88 or 89 million acres of soybeans to get there. Wheat's kind of, wheat's going to be well supplied probably domestically but still tight on the global market presenting its own challenges and uh, if you need help getting through there um, uh, whether it be futures options you know consulting setting up a monthly meeting with the marketing plan and working on you know what what you need for your for your business and operation you know feel free to reach out um, i hope everyone has been staying warm i know i've been pretty cold <laughs> here in the suburbs of Chicago, and I'm looking for a change of weather. Uh, and if you need anything, let me know. Otherwise, have a good weekend, and I'll talk to you all soon. This material is conveyed as a solicitation for entering into a derivatives transaction. This material has been prepared by a Daniel Trading broker who provides research market commentary and trade recommendations as part of his or her solicitation for accounts and solicitation for trades. Daniel's Trading, its principals, brokers, and employees may trade in derivatives for their own accounts or for the accounts of others. Due to various factors, such as risk tolerance, margin requirements, trading objectives, short-term versus long-term strategies, technical versus fundamental market
market analysis and other factors, such trading may result in the initiation or liquidation of positions that are different from or contrary to the opinions and recommendations contained therein. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future performance. The risk of loss in trading futures contracts or commodity options can be substantial, and therefore, investors should understand the risks involved in taking leveraged positions and must assume responsibility for the risks associated with such investments and for their results. You should carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for you in light of your circumstances and financial resources. You should read the risk disclosure accessed at www.danielstrading.com. Daniel's Trading is not affiliated with, nor does it endorse any trading system, newsletter, or similar service. Daniel's Trading does not guarantee or verify any performance claims made by such systems or services.